Hey, everyone. Good morning. It is October 2nd. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. We read all of the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. How is it October already? I know that is kind of a cliche thing to say, but really, where does the time go? So it's officially pumpkin season, college football season. We are totally in the swing of fall. I hope everybody had a great weekend. As you could tell, Mosh is still out. He's on paternity leave, enjoying some quality time with his new daughter, Olivia, and his wife, Alex. I did a FaceTime with them this weekend. Everyone is doing great. Olivia is delicious. She's so cute. I do have a couple of great guests lined up for this week, including Lauren Brody. She wrote the book, The Fifth Trimester. I'm really excited to talk to her about the potential government shutdown and all things women in the workforce. So that is later this week. For now, though, another solo show and tons of news to get to. Shutdown averted, but for how long? And why Speaker Kevin McCarthy's job could be in jeopardy. Plus, today begins a new term on the Supreme Court. What cases they could be looking at? Also, student loan payment resumes for 40 million Americans. The ripple effects that that will have on the economy. And Senator Dianne Feinstein of California dies at the age of 90. We'll look at her legacy and what happens to her seat. Plus, New York City drying out after severe flooding. But is the city ready for extreme weather? Nearly 30 years later, someone's been arrested for Tupac Shakur's death. What we know about him and why we are never, ever, ever going to stop talking about this. Taylor Swift at MetLife Stadium to watch Travis Kelsey. We've got the tea. Plus, I'll have on this day in history. All right. Shutdown averted by minutes. Literally, it was a chaotic weekend in Washington. The government nearly shut down. And as of this morning, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy could lose his job. Here's how this all played out. With 32 minutes to spare, Congress narrowly avoided a government shutdown by passing a stopgap or temporary funding bill at current spending levels before the clock struck midnight on Saturday. On this vote, the yeas are 335, the nays are 91. Two-thirds being in the affirmative, the rules are suspended. The bill is passed, and without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. At 11.28 p.m., the White House posted a photo of President Biden signing that bill to keep the government open. And again, because it's temporary, this measure will only fund the government for 45 days. So we get to do this all again right before Thanksgiving But President Biden urging Republicans not to wait until the 11th hour again. Quite frankly, I'm sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of the brinksmanship. And so are the American people. I've been doing this, you all point out to me a lot, a long time. I've never quite seen a Republican Congress or any Congress act like this. The House passed that bill at 2.45 p.m. on Saturday in a 335 to 91 vote. The Senate followed at 9 p.m. with a final vote of 88 to 9. The deal came after weeks of infighting amongst House Republicans over whether they even wanted to pass a stopgap bill in their chamber. The final bill does include natural disaster aid. 
but no additional money for the Ukraine war or southern border security. In a statement, Biden said we cannot under any circumstances allow American support for Ukraine to be interrupted. But McCarthy said any lawmakers looking for more Ukraine funding will have to give in on border security funding as well. Getting both parties in Congress to agree on anything is near impossible these days. So to get it done and keep the government open, Speaker Kevin McCarthy had to side with moderate Republicans and Democrats. And that infuriated the far right. Hardline conservatives say that by working with Democrats, McCarthy broke concessions that he had made to them when he was vying for their vote during his lengthy speaker vote back in January. You might remember McCarthy had to make some pretty extreme promises to the far right when he was desperately trying to win the speakership. He actually went through 15 rounds of House votes before being elected speaker. Now, Republican Congressman Matt Gates of Florida, he is one of those far right Republicans who believes that McCarthy did not hold up his end of the bargain. Well, he says he's going to be bringing a vote to the floor to try to oust him from the House's top leadership position. And yes, he could do that by himself. The measure is called a motion to vacate the chair. And ironically, the rule change that requires the backing of just one person to force the House to consider removing the speaker. Well, that was one of the concessions that McCarthy made back in January in order to win the speakership in the first place. Most Republicans are dealing with some serious blowback to Gates over this move, fearing it will only hand more leverage to Democrats. McCarthy's ousting might be the only thing on the planet that could get far-right Republicans and progressive Democrats, the two extreme wings of each party, to join forces. McCarthy saying in response, quote, I will survive, which makes me think of only one person here, Gloria Gaynor. But here is a little bit more about what he had to say. He called himself the adult in the room. And so we're going to keep government open while we work our differences out and secure our border. Do you worry about about they'll try to remove you? You know what? If somebody wants to remove because I want to be the adult in the room, go ahead and try. But I think this country is too important. I mentioned chaos, right? Well, if waiting until about a half an hour until the government shut down to get a spending bill passed wasn't chaotic enough. At one point, New York Democratic Congressman Jamal Bowman, he was caught on camera pulling the fire alarm in the Cannon House office building. That was just as Democrats were seeking to delay a vote on the Republican stopgap funding bill. He says it was an accident. He says he thought pulling the fire alarm would help him open a locked door to an emergency exit. Critics not buying it. McCarthy's actually calling on the House Ethics Committee to look into it. Even Congressman George Santos, who has basically lied about every piece of his autobiography, calling Bowman out. The U.S. Capitol Police told reporters they are investigating the incident in D.C. falsely pulling a fire alarm is a misdemeanor. But a bit of a Mo News reality check here. Many of the same people who are fine with Donald Trump being president, even though he's facing 91 indictments, want to kick Bowman out of Congress for pulling the fire alarm. So we will, of course, keep you posted on what happens with that. And today is the first day of the Supreme Court's new term. A reminder, the court is made up of six conservatives and three liberals. The court in just the past couple of years has overturned the Roe v. Wade ruling that legalized abortion nationwide back in 1973. The courts also expanded gun rights and rejected affirmative action in college admissions and also broadened religious rights. 
So what is on the agenda this term? First up is a case from Iowa involving the sentencing of a nonviolent drug offender. There's also a slate of potential blockbuster cases on the docket, including decisions on gun rights, the First Amendment, social media, and abortion medication. This week, the justices will consider a case that could have huge ramifications in the business world and could result in new limits on the authority of regulatory agencies, which is a goal of many conservatives. Some other cases of interest, the U.S. versus Rahimi, which looks at whether a law banning people who are subject to restraining orders because of domestic violence from owning firearms violates the Second Amendment. There is also a case that looks at social media regulation. Abortion access could be back at the court with a case looking at whether to restrict access to mifepristone, one of two drugs typically used to induce a medicated abortion. A Supreme Court ruling on one of the most controversial political issues could have significant implications ahead of the presidential election. And the justices will also be looking at electoral districts in South Carolina. We've got plenty of more news coming up, but for now, some words from some of our sponsors. Parlez-vous Francais? Well, I do not at all, really, which is why I am so excited about our newest sponsor. The best way to learn a language is really through immersion, living where that language is spoken natively and using it every day. But that isn't possible for everyone. So what is the second best way to learn a language? Babbel, because with Babbel, you could start to speak a new language in just three weeks. Moshe has been taking Spanish lessons and he has been loving it. I cannot wait to start my French lessons. Why Babbel? Because it works. Instead of paying hundreds of dollars for private tutors or fooling yourself with language apps that are a little bit more than games, Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations. All of Babbel's tips and tools for learning a new language are approachable, accessible, and rooted in real-life situations. And they have a special limited time deal for our listeners to get you started. Right now, you can get 55% off your Babbel subscription. Head to babbel.com slash monews with our discount so that it's just about six bucks a month to learn a new language. Again, that deal, 55% off at babbel.com slash monews. It's spelled babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S. Some rules and restrictions may apply. And you guys know I'm trying to keep my energy up without my trusty co-host, Mosh. And perhaps I could thank Athletic Greens. I first tried Athletic Greens AG1 powder a few months ago. It is just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning. It's easy and quick and lets you get on with your day knowing that you've gotten over 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals. It also has pre and probiotics to support digestion and gut health. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1. Visit drinkag1.com slash monews to take advantage of this offer. You can get a discounted monthly subscription or try it just one time for a month. Again, drinkag1.com slash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S for this special deal and really start to take ownership of your health. 
Time now for the speed read from CNBC. The pandemic era pause on federal student loan payments ended yesterday, leaving as many as 40 million Americans on the hook for a new monthly bill that they haven't needed to make in more than three years. Economists are cautioning that the impact on households and the economy remains largely uncertain as there is a little precedent for borrowers getting such a long break from their loan bills. But as the Biden administration ramps up repayment of the more than $1.7 trillion in federal student loan debt, retailers and lenders are bracing for a hit. American households will get their first bills during an especially volatile period with the highest interest rates in decades. Plus, workers are on strike across the country, and there is another looming government shutdown. The financial services firm Jefferies warning that there could be a significant risk to consumer spending. In a survey of about 600 consumers with student debt, half say they're very concerned about meeting all of their expenses. About 70% of borrowers plan to postpone big ticket purchases come October. And many people with student debt plan to cut back on their spending on clothing, travel and food. The Biden administration had hoped to ease that transition back to loan payments by forgiving up to $20,000 in student debt for many borrowers. But the Supreme Court blocked that policy in June. Now, President Biden's pursuing another path to cancel people's debt, but it is expected to be a lengthy process. From CBS News, U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein of California, a centrist Democrat and champion of liberal causes, has died at the age of 90. She was elected to the Senate in 1992. She broke gender barriers throughout her long career in both local and national politics. Feinstein was the oldest sitting U.S. senator. She was a passionate advocate for liberal priorities important to her state like environmental protection, reproductive rights, and gun control. But she was also known as a pragmatic lawmaker who reached out to Republicans and sought middle ground. In a rare show of bipartisanship, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Republican Leader Mitch McConnell both talked about how big of a loss this is for the nation. Take a listen, starting with Schumer. Dianne Feinstein was all of this and more. A friend a hero for so many, a leader who changed the nation, sorry, a leader who changed the nature of the Senate and who changed the fabric of the nation, America, for the better. Diane was a trailblazer in her beloved home state of California and our entire nation are better for her dogged advocacy and diligent service. McConnell also talked about he and Dianne Feinstein were friends outside of the Senate, would often go for dinner with their spouses. It's something you do not hear as much about now, especially amongst people on opposite sides of the aisle. One story that I was reminded of back in 2008, it was Senator Dianne Feinstein who helped to broker a meeting between then Senator Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton to help mend fences, so to speak, after the really rough 2008 Democratic primary. She had set up this secret meeting for them at her house in Washington, D.C. She basically set up two chairs and went upstairs to do work. She said, they called me when it was over. I came down and I said, good night, everybody. I hope you had a good meeting. And they were laughing. And that was it. And of course, Hillary Clinton went on to be Secretary of State under President Obama. As for the politics right now, California Governor Gavin Newsom will appoint a temporary replacement. 
Before her death, he had repeatedly said that he would nominate a black woman to serve the remainder of her term, which ends in 2025. There are currently no black women in the Senate following Vice President Kamala Harris's election. Newsom recently qualified his commitment by saying that he only wanted a caretaker to serve out the term, meaning not somebody who would be running for that seat long term. Before Newsom had qualified that vow, Democratic Congresswoman Barbara Lee was widely viewed as a leading candidate to replace Feinstein. Newsom probably will move quickly here. Democrats now hold an effective 50 to 49 majority in the Senate, including three independent senators that caucus with them. From CBS News, New York City has dried out, but it comes after being soaked by one of its wettest days in decades. Traffic's resumed on highways, subways and airports that were temporarily shuttered by Friday's severe rainfall all back open. Record rainfall, more than 8.65 inches, fell at JFK Airport, surpassing the record for any September day set during Hurricane Donna in 1960. Parts of Brooklyn saw more than 7.25 inches with at least one spot recording two and a half inches in a single hour, turning some streets into knee-deep canals and stranding drivers on highways. This deluge came two years after the remnants of Hurricane Ida dumped record-breaking rain on the Northeast and killed at least 13 people in New York City, mostly in flooded basement apartments, Although no deaths or severe injuries have been reported, Friday's storm stirred frightening memories. Virtually every subway line was at least partially suspended, rerouted, or running with delays. So why so much rain? The National Weather Service says the remnants of tropical storm Ophelia over the Atlantic Ocean combined with a mid-latitude system arriving from the west at a time of year when conditions coming off the ocean are particularly juicy for storms. From USA Today, Friday's rainfall once again highlighting city infrastructure not equipped to handle increasingly common extreme weather events. Officials said the city's sewer system is not built to withstand the amount of rainfall seen on Friday. The MTA chair says the system was designed long ago for a rainfall at the rate of 1.75 inches per hour, and we are now consistently getting more than that. A meteorologist saying it is not complicated. Warmer air holds more moisture as the planet warms. Storms are forming in a hotter atmosphere that can hold more moisture, making extreme rainfall more frequent, according to some scientists. Now, in the case of Friday's storm, nearby ocean temps were actually below normal and air temperatures weren't too hot. Still, it became the third time in two years that rain fell at rates near two inches per hour in Central Park, which is quite unusual. From CNN, a big story that you might have missed on Friday. Police have charged a former gang leader with the 1996 murder of rapper Tupac Shakur. This is a breakthrough in a long-running case still gripping the public. The New York-born hip-hop legend shot four times when he was just 25 years old in a drive-by attack in Las Vegas. On Friday, Nevada's grand jury indicted Dwayne Keffy D. Davis. He is now 60 years old on one count of murder with a deadly weapon. Police say he planned the deadly shooting after his nephew was involved in a fight with Shakur in a casino. So who is Keffy D? Well, as far back as 1998, he was telling a cable channel, BET, that he was a front seat passenger in a car from which a fellow passenger fired the shots that killed Tupac Shakur. 
Authorities say that Davis plotted and orchestrated the shooting in a matter of hours after the rapper and others attacked his nephew that same day. Davis has said in a memoir that he is one of two living witnesses, with the other being the record label boss who was driving Shakur. Shakur and Suge Knight, then the CEO of the rapper's label, Death Row Records, were affiliated with one gang. And Davis was affiliated with a different gang. Shakur was in Vegas to attend a Mike Tyson boxing match at the MGM Grand Hotel, an event that Davis and his nephew, Orlando Anderson, also attended. Police say after the match, members of Death Row Records, which Tupac was allegedly affiliated with, saw Anderson near an elevator bank inside the hotel and started to punch him and kick him. Both crews left the hotel after the fight. When Davis learned of the attack on his nephew, he, quote, began to devise a plan to obtain a firearm and retaliate against Suge Knight and Shakur. And after securing a gun, eventually his group tracked down the car that Shakur and Knight were in, drove alongside their black BMW, and gunshots were fired from the Cadillac into the BMW, striking Shakur four times. The rapper died six days later. Now, apparently, the decades-old case gained renewed focus in 2018, particularly because Davis himself was talking about it publicly. And there was the emergence of some new information. So Davis had participated in a 2018 Netflix documentary on Tupac's homicide, and he also released his memoir in 2019. Police say that he began to go out publicly to boast about his involvement in the murder, And that was what led law enforcement in Vegas to take another look at his claims. So ultimately, they say that he, quote, talked himself right into jail. And finally, from the Associated Press, Taylor Swift couldn't shake off another chance to watch Travis Kelsey on the football field. The 12-time Grammy Award winner arrived at MetLife Stadium about 40 minutes before kickoff Sunday night to watch Kelsey and his Kansas City Chiefs take on the New York Jets. Swift was wearing blue jean shorts, a long sleeve black top and a leather jacket, entering the stadium security area with actors Ryan Reynolds, Blake Lively and Hugh Jackman. Her appearance came a week after she was at Arrowhead Stadium, decked out in red and white to see the Chiefs 41 to 10 win over the Chicago Bears. Why does this all matter? Per Axios, Taylor Swift, no longer just a pop icon. She is the next great American dynasty, single-handedly steering some of the country's most vaunted brands and institutions. So she already fueled the nation's economy for much of the summer with her Eras tour. She drove thousands of people to register to vote. And now she is a beacon of opportunity and cash for both the NFL and Hollywood. Last Sunday, as I mentioned, she was spotted in a box aggressively cheering the Kansas City Chiefs alongside Donna Kelsey, the mother of Travis Kelsey. And in the 24 hours after the game, Kelsey gained over 300,000 new social media followers. There was a 400% increase in merchandise sales, and his podcast ranked number one on the Apple charts. And as social media exploded with the spotting, Swift's attendance actually drove ratings among young female viewers. And Swift is also having an impact on the box office. This fall's movie slate was looking pretty bare until Swift delivered an unexpected jolt with the surprise announcement of her Eris tour film set for release on October 13th. The concert film tracking toward a $100 million opening weekend domestically and likely much higher, according to Deadline, with one analyst calling it a unicorn. 
I have to say, I could not get tickets to the Eras show. Way too expensive. And I just couldn't even figure out (laughs) how to navigate the ticket system. But I am very excited to go see the movie about the tour. And I will take my daughter to it. All right, time now for On This Day. On this day in 1950, the first Peanuts comic strip was published. On this day in 1967, American lawyer and civil rights activist Thurgood Marshall was sworn in as an associate justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, becoming its first African-American member. On this day in 1985, American actor Rock Hudson died, becoming one of the first Hollywood celebrities known to succumb to AIDS-related complications. The extensive publicity surrounding his death drew a lot of attention to the disease. And a little modern-day pop culture history, The Simpsons, the longest-running primetime scripted show in television history, kicks off its historic 35th season on Fox this past weekend. And I can't believe I'm going to admit this, but I don't think I've ever seen a full episode of The Simpsons. I don't know what that says about me, but so there. All right, everybody, thank you for sticking with me. Have a great day. We want to thank you so much for listening to the Mo News podcast. If you like what you hear, share this with your friends. It will really help us grow. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Review us in the App Store. Call us 1-800-711-MOSH, M-O-S-H. And don't forget to follow us at MOSH on Instagram, M-O-S-H-E-H. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Mo News podcast.